Welcome to Algo. A lot going on with Raj Gatech. Joining me on the show, as always, is Vic. Vic, welcome back. And Sal has stepped in because uh, Alex can't make it today. And quite frankly, we just don't have any other Caucasian co-hosts, nor can we afford them. So thanks for stepping in, Sal. Sal, uh, we gave you 20 minutes notice, and you were either seeing those stories as the video went live, as the recording went live, or you'll probably figure them out as we went along. Which one was your favorite one today that we spoke uh, about? I think the ones talking about uh, what's happening with Dubai in terms of Las Vegas-style wedding licenses is quite interesting. So uh, definitely something to look at. And always interesting to see how the city is evolving and things like that. So definitely. Right, good. I think you should take one for the team, Sal, and get married and use one of those licenses. <laughs> and of course, joining me as always is Vic. Vic, what's good? What is up, man? Sal, thanks all for joining us. Uh, yeah, man, today was another exciting episode. You know, it was weird. I th I feel like we went through um, these stories pretty quick, but they're really, they're really great stories. Mr. Beast, talking about Mr. Beast curing a thousand people of blind, blind people from their blindness. Uh, Facebook hitting two billion and why we cannot sleep on Mark Zuckerberg. And even like talking about Will Smith, we get into a bit of a debate about Will Smith again. And I feel that's becoming a bit of a theme for us as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On top of that as well, we've got Hong Kong giving away half a million tickets to get over there. When can you come back? If at all, we'll find we'll find out when we talk about it on the show. And then some incredible content recommendations. We talk about The GOAT, the greatest of all time. One of our biggest musical influences, starting from scratch, has done an in-depth interview. We'll talk about that. I got around to watching KSI in real life. Vic talked about that on a previous episode. So we're able to deep dive a little bit. One of the uh, Rockefeller royalty has just done a big podcast recently and Aziz Ansari back up on that. And then a couple of shout outs and then some incredible out and about in Dubai. Funnily enough, we only did one episode of Algo this week, but we have done four of the podcasts. More on that as soon as we get past this little audio sting. Boys, are you ready to get into the episode? We are. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, guys, let's get into it. A lot of stories to get into today and we would not be able to really kick it off without covering a story from inside the content realm, which is Mr. Beast has cured a thousand blind people for a YouTube video. However, USA Today asks, is it performative altruism? Is it something that a form of charity that he's put together just for the clicks, which is obviously his business? What do you think, Vic? Yeah, so look, I think... Uh... Uh, it's really important to recognize that Mr. Beast is somebody that has outwardly said that he's not in YouTube for money, but he understands that he's going to make a crap ton of money and that everything, everything that he makes is going to give back. But along the way, he's going to be doing charitable things, good things. And, you know, it's evidenced by the videos that he's been doing and all the topics on his videos. This is just another thing. And when you really kind of peel away a few layers of this, and I don't know if he's been doing this, if he's done this purposely, or maybe he has, but this is really a kind of, you know, eye opener on the healthcare system. There's this uh, doctor that he um, has teamed up with, this surgeon, and that surgeon said that 50% of all people that are blind could be cured with a 10 minute surgery. It's effectively like a cataract surgery. So it's not this kind of permanent blindness that can't be reversed, but it's like um, 
this kind of film that makes it blurry and they'd effectively remove that film and put a fake one on top and that effectively cures, cures their blindness. And when we're talking about blindness, we're talking about, you know, people having very, very blurry vision. Um, so they can't see anything solid. They can't see like facial features or anything like that. It's just very, 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 very blurry to the effect, to the extent that even glasses can't fix it. So he's gone out and done, you know, a great thing as far as I'm concerned. And there's a lot of backlash, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, rich people should help with the world's problems. And then Mr. Beast goes, well, this is what I'm doing. And then everyone's kind of complaining that the fact that he's doing it for selfish reasons, just to make money. As far as I'm concerned, and this is the kind of the cherry on the top for me is this, he's making money from these videos knowingly because he can then take that money and make more videos to help people. So it kind of just, it's like a self-fulfilling thing. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of makes sense that it's done that way. And as far as I'm concerned, there should be more people doing what he's doing. Yeah. And it's nice as well because it doesn't just kind of end there, right? He's also, you know, checking in on them a few weeks later. He's handing out cars. He's handing out cash. It looks like it's, it looks like net-net. It's a very difficult thing to to complain about. Have you seen the video, Sal? I've seen clips of it, like different no. extracts of the video. Um, and mostly seen a lot of conversations on like Twitter and Facebook and other YouTube YouTubers talking about it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like two interesting conversations that struck up on them and it's caused a lot of debate. I don't see people unanimously going one way or another, but two things they've said is, number one, people were very critical of the healthcare system, that something this straightforward that can be done, like you said, Vic, 10 minutes, um, can't be done just because of the healthcare system and the money involved. And I think that sort of veered into commentary about like, he shouldn't have had to do it. Uh, the responsibility should have been the government. And then the other thing also is that this is being branded as content. So should he be, would he do this just out of the goodness of his heart privately or whatever from his money in a philanthropic kind of way? Um, and that goes back to the thing that everything he does is, is content based. So I personally agree with you guys that I think, you know, it's fine that he's doing it as a, as a humanitarian effort. And also in some ways, I think it raises awareness on the conversation. That something like this, you know, people are legally blind. Something this straightforward could be resolved. No one's really known about it, and it speaks more to the healthcare system. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, this is this is where we are right now, where we don't just look at charitable acts from public figures as just goodwill gestures. There's a conversation that goes around it, right? Because it's a publicity thing. There's a fundamental problem here as well when it comes to opinion. Period, which is that. We now live in a world whereby all you need is half a dozen tweets to put together a story or a headline that says, that builds a case for whatever the opposite of the obvious case is. So well, if you write a story today, you will not, you just write the keywords of what the opposite of that story is on Twitter and some moron will be sharing that story. And so now you can justify putting an article out saying, yeah, this people on Twitter said, and I feel like it's almost like dangerous really, because effectively, you know, someone's always thinking something and just because it's published online doesn't mean that it's worth making a report about. So I would say like, yo, big up to this guy, wicked that he's done this. I think it's really impressive. I think we need to see more of it. And I think Vic, you might have peaked early on this one, which is that people do say like, once you get on and once you get rich, uh, why do you not do stuff for others? 
and he's actively doing it and he's also still so so young so yeah. if you extrapolate mr beast's future out a few years or better still a few decades and you think what kind of impact can this guy have i mean at what point is it that mr beast says okay i'm gonna get you know a thousand people out of jail and pay for their lawyers and they come out for like you know petty charges or or you know getting really really creating like moving from moving from just like stunts and kind of things that are quite clickable right through to healthcare, and then all the way through to like social justice so you know mr beast isn't the first mr beast i think we're, we're going to see this and, and relatively speaking relative to all the other stuff that we see on the internet as well it's pretty wholesome content so so i'm fully down with it man five stars for mr beast all right moving on to the next story oh sal you had something you had to say yeah, there's one thing just to add. I I noticed before this story happened. I, are you familiar with this? I think he's a food review, a food guy, who's on TikTok. That's called Keith Lee. Rings a bell. Carry yes. on. So he did a thing where he kind of, in a friendly way, challenged Mr. Beast, uh, to basically. I think it was something to do with like, basically like food shortages, and basically said that like you know he, he wanted to. Basically, Mr. Beast wanted to collaborate with this guy. And he said, I'll collaborate if you help with this food shortage and this food supply in this neighborhood, this community. I think it's in Detroit. And he hasn't responded yet, but a lot of people applauded him because that was sort of another example of um, challenging in a friendly way a philanthropic sort of social media person uh, to use his content in that way. And I think after he did that, then I noticed like a week later, this uh, thing with the blind people happened. So it's interesting how he's being not called out, not negative, but it's interesting how other people in the social media, TikTok, YouTube realm are kind of like uh, challenging, you know, his charitable efforts in a good way. It's, a, it's just interesting. You know, you, you know what? It's, it's actually very, it's a very good point because it's, the, you know, what he's doing. And, you know, I don't care what other people think about what he's doing. I think what he's doing is great. And not only that, he's doing great things for the content world as well and the possibilities of content. So for me personally, there's a charitable side, but there's also the fact that he's having a positive impact on what content can do, not just from a financial point of view and a branding point of view, but also from, you know, a, th 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 a philanthropic point of view, right? Yeah, yeah. A charitable point of view, which is, which is good because it inspires other people like you just said this food blogger that said look you know let's look at food shortages as a as a problem and how can we um, make a difference and help it's the opposite as far as i'm concerned of those people that you know take their cameras and they go right look at me i'm just going to go and give this homeless person a hundred dollars or whatever and i think that's too kind of that that has too much narcissism involved look. in it you know and i think that those sort of guys should all just kind of not have any social media channels if they're going to do stuff like that. I think that's whack. And I think, you know, people who do that are just kind of bottom of the barrel type people, you know, for they're sure. just doing it. They're doing it for the, the, the content and for the, yeah. for the likes and the comments and the views. Whereas Mr. Beast, let's be very, very, very clear. As far as I'm concerned, he is doing it for the views. He is doing it for the engagement and the comments and the money. But what he's then doing with that and very outwardly and very openly and you know from the jump he's saying i'm plowing everything back in yeah. i don't need money i don't care about money i'm plowing everything back in 
to build this channel, to do more good things, to give more away. And there's this, uh, you know, there's that like meme where it's like a script and then it says like Twitter, you know, rich people should, you know, it says like Twitter, Twitter says rich people should do good with their money and give everything away. And then Mr. Beast goes, me, I will give away every single penny that I earn before I die. I'll give it all away. And then yeah. Twitter's next line is Mr. Beast bad. You know, it's like, it's really you know, bad. And it kind of goes back to what Shwaz said. There's just a few people on Twitter or wherever saying a few things and it has this like multiply yeah. kind of compound effect. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And hopefully it will just like kind of, you know, without being too woo about it, it'll inspire other people to, to do more good things. Yeah. I mean, I yep, think people see, see the kind of like culture, like you just said, like this culture of people getting the camera, giving money. So people are understandably a little bit wary of that. But like you said, what he's doing is he's kind of putting a call to action and challenging himself in. So we'll see how there it goes. Go. Yep. Okay. Well, next up, let's grab another story off the docket. We have uh, Facebook. Facebook has hit 2 billion daily active users. Not only that as well, but I'm just going to bring up the uh, Facebook stock price. And I think we may have seen potentially almost a, a doubling recently. So let's look at the last month. A month ago, Facebook stock price was at 126. Today, it's at 186. Not a bad run for those guys. Um, Facebook's having a comeback, man. You know, we, we're talking about kind of like the great the great tech CEO humbling. And it looks to me like they're having a nice little pop. Even looking as well at Tesla, I think they've had a nice little jump as well. So let's look at the last month on these guys. Yeah, a month ago, it was at 110. Now it's at 189. I mean, that is really no joke at all. Uh, recently, it was as low as 109. So, I mean, my goodness, pretty, pretty amazing. Facebook at 2 billion users. Let me just check this story. Is it Facebook itself or is it Meta? Meta stock. Oh, meta. Fake. Meta wow. stock. Just yeah. Facebook, man. That is unbelievable. Okay. For a platform that really effectively most people feel like is kind of like dead makes me feel like oh I i'm being way too narrow actually on my view of that platform gary v said recently as well didn't you vic that like groups and all that are making a comeback when it comes to engagement so what happens now do we do we start redirecting our efforts back towards facebook yeah i i actually think so here's the thing right so th there's that whole kind of thing about you can't you can't you can't um count him out like he's too smart he's too successful and he's had so much impact on the world and i think he's going to continue to do it you really can't count him out you can just go long zuck and you'll be fine because whatever he puts his hand to he's going to make it work and frankly speaking i actually think he's going to make i don't know enough about web3 admittingly but i think he's going to make it work you know he's yep. oculus is doing well or at least it's increasing in terms of number of users facebook look whatsapp has more than two billion daily active users as well so you know he he's covering a lot of the globe i think he just had a little moment where he just dipped away just regathered himself he had come back he had to lay off a bunch of people he's like all right now it's time to get my head back in the game and i don't think you can count this guy out and back to the and on the groups thing you know we, we've actually talked about it internally a few times but but you know the the, the important thing about everything really that we do and we kind of 
try and help our clients with is community building. And there's only a number of places and platforms that you can do community building. And, you know, real life is one of them, but not everyone has the chops to do real life community building. So what are the other options for them? Yeah, you could have broadcast lists, but that's limited. Um, but I think Facebook groups in a closed environment of groups is still powerful. And I'll tell you from firsthand experience, there are a number of groups on Facebook that are, you know, like British dads to buy and, you know, all that kind right. of stuff. I go to them maybe once a month, not that often, but maybe once a month, once every six weeks, just to ask a question. You know, maybe there's a bit of admin I need to do, maybe this, that, and the other. And literally within seconds, I'm getting answers. I mean, seconds, I'm getting answers and they're all valuable, like this all valuable input. So I wouldn't count out Facebook. I wouldn't count out Facebook groups for community. All the rest of Facebook can just kind of do what it does. But yeah, that's where I see it. I think one thing people forget as well is that Facebook is probably the most casual of the social media outlets. It's this thing that like your aunts and uncles and parents and all use, and we joke about it. Like I don't, I think I check my Facebook like maybe five times a year. Like I've gone off it, but we forget that it's still the most accessible of the social media platforms uh, compared to Twitter, compared to Instagram uh, for a lot of people. And they're still on there, still using it. Older people, um, families, friends, things like this. And the other thing I thought about, um, you know, there was that big conversation towards the end of last year about how people were going to leave Twitter because of what Elon was doing. I'm curious if in that like two or three week period, when people were like trying to look for alternatives to Twitter, if there was a spike of people going back to Facebook that may have helped with the trend. I don't know. That's a very good That's point. It's a very know, good I'm point. just thinking of different reasons. Like I joked in our in our group, I was like, you know, when they showed the spike, I was like, "That's a lot of aunts and uncles wishing Merry Christmas." Like, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably that. Yeah, I think I think also as well, like looking at looking at WhatsApp and some of the options you've got inside of WhatsApp, the way that the app is improving. And I was on the back end of Instagram, which I'm just going into right now as well. And inside there, they've redone the UI so that the filters and the requests are all different. And wow. I think there's even some interesting things happening around groups as well, because I saw uh, I saw something in here. I can't quite put my finger on it, but you know, sometimes when Instagram changes the UI a little bit and they change it just for like a couple of days, yeah, and it mysteriously pops back to what it originally was. Well, I've been seeing that. I've been seeing that with like groups and different things. And the back end of WhatsApp, the DM feature is starting to look a little bit more. Sorry, the back end of uh, Instagram, the DM feature is starting to look a lot more like WhatsApp. So I think we're gonna. Facebook Inc. or Meta, as they're now called, has the interesting ability to almost like do tech like usage M&A. Like they can do mergers of their own apps. Like they can take stuff yeah. from each of their apps and blend them into each other. I hear that um, also Facebook Reels are doing quite well as well. So you can so just post up. on Instagram. Yeah, post on Instagram and say, yo, go ahead and uh, post it over there. So, you know, how how much further can they go? It's it's to be seen. But if this recession is not going to be as hard of a crash as we once thought, and especially if the business community still got capital to invest, then Facebook's going to ride that all the way to the bank, I would say. Yeah. And they've still got the promise they're, of Web3. Yeah, they've got the promise of yeah. Web3. And they're also cash rich, right? So if you think about 
his uh, ownership of you know users across social platforms i don't know all the numbers but between facebook instagram and whatsapp he must have the most right that like that can't be even a question right and not 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 only does he have the most in terms of um <laughs> users but he also has the ability to test on all these platforms in different ways because people use them yeah. differently and yeah. they can see the common trends and go, okay, well, what could work, <clears throat> excuse me, across all the platforms. This guy, this guy is, uh, is no joke and he could be one of the greatest CEOs of our time. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. going to, and yeah, I think, I think they're doing a, a solid buyback as well. They've got a huge, huge share buyback, which is going to put, which is going to keep less shares out there in the, uh, in the public markets then running those prices 40 billion. up. Around $40 mm -hmm. billion, dollars, I think. That's it what is. I heard, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Amazing. Right, well, let's get into some more stories then. Next up on the docket, we have Hong Kong set to give away half a million airline tickets to, to lure people back, baby comeback moment. Let's have a look at this. So I know that they're doing it in three phases, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, the tickets will be allocated in three waves from March 1st people across Southeast Asia from April 1st, people living in mainland China, what's the worst that can happen? And then from May 1st to residents in the rest of the world. So here we go. Hong Kong is ready to, to get people back. It's a world of winners splash page. I'm going to click actually and see what it's like. World of winners. Well, it's absolutely ridiculous like you'd expect. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of Asian people flying towards you. The lead one being a little kid with um, a little spinning helicopter style. In fact, they've all got them on their heads. So, uh, so yeah, no, not ridiculous at all. Not, and uh, in support of <laughs> Hello Hong Kong. All right, well, I don't know. Would you do this, guys? Would you, if, if Hong Kong said, "Yo, come down," would you go? Um, maybe. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what's the... think about it like this? We're all, we've already been prepared for like masked up travel anyway right we know what to like we know the precautions we have to take right hong kong's a beautiful city um and we've had almost like two years of experience of to be careful what not to eat clean yourself wear a mask and everything and um <laughs> clean yourself i'd be curious <laughs> I like the I mean, frame okay, okay. Uh, yeah well I, I, are you yeah, just well, figuring out what or, not to what, eat like, and to clean yourself <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is, like, I, I'm or just, but you know, like, like when the pandemic started, we were like gloved up, masked up. I mean, and China, that area of the world, was wearing masks even before COVID, right? So, I mean, what I would ask you guys, what's your fear about about going to Hong Kong on a free ticket? I, it's it's it's, I it's a no weird thing. It's not even that. It's not even so much about fear. It's like, you know, would would I go if someone gave me a free ticket? That's really the question, yeah. right? Because at the end of the day, your true out of pocket is still going to be maybe 60 to 70% of what it would have been. So, yeah, yeah, they'll fly you there. But, you know, the second you step off the airplane and you want a glass of water or something, you know, a bottle of water, you're paying for that until the moment you leave. So, it says here stay tuned. Outbound tickets from Hong Kong will become available in July. So, that means that you could potentially get a ticket from as early as March, April, or May, depending on where you are in the world. And then the outbound tickets from Hong Kong, I guess maybe the ticket that returns yeah, you I home is going to be from July. So 
That means that if you're out there, unless you're paying for your own ticket to go home back to wherever yeah. you came from, you're going to be spending big dough. And it sounds to me like you've been there, Sal, but the folks that I know that have been there have also said it's not cheap. No, no, no. It, it, Hong Kong is not cheap. It's been in decades, actually, since I've been there. But um, it, it's not a cheap place. It's a great place to visit. I mean, obviously, and it's very cosmopolitan uh, city and everything. But um, I was just laughing because I, I was about to ask before you mentioned, I was like, is it a return ticket? And then you yeah. just mentioned, that, like, outbound flight to in July, inbound or in spring. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's a game changer, a little bit of a deal breaker. But uh, yeah, it's I, interesting. I, it's just... I, I would go if, if, you know, if it was on my kind of agenda to go to Hong Kong this year, for example, and I was thinking, oh, I'd like to go there. And it was like one of the top three or four places I was thinking about visiting this year, then I'd probably take the chance to do it. I've got family there and I'd love to see them. Sure. Um, but other than that, I am not compelled to go at all. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck, Hong Kong. Hopefully, hopefully you'll figure it out. I mean, it's, uh, it seems like a bit of a, Seems like a bit of a extreme measure, but let's see. Let's. See. I would, I would be keen to see if this works. I think the out of pocket for Hong Kong as a country is only like twenty plus million. It's not a lot of money. So, you know, for them, million. Okay, that's a lot Whoa. of money. That's like that's, yeah, that's like ten Beyonce shows. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyway, good luck, Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, if you want, if you want to go there, you should try and go there at least before it gets taken over by another country. All right, next nice. up on the docket is we are talking about, oh, Dubai. Dubai to allow Las Vegas-style express weddings. So it looks like uh, if you are um, not of the Muslim faith, that you're going to be able to get a bunch of uh, kind of like quick weddings done, uh, mixed faith. You can obtain a civil wedding license in just 24 hours. Pros and cons. What do you think? You, you read this story, Sal. Did you read it when it came through on the group chat? I I saw it. Yeah, in passing. I I had a lot of questions after my jokes, but uh, okay. Yeah, the, the the multiple faith thing is a big thing because I'm just thinking about like when you think of like Las Vegas wedding, think of like shotgun weddings and then potential annulments that are very easy to do and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah. it's got to be a little bit different here in Dubai, but um, I mean there was a lot of jokes about it, right? Like. You know, as if the dating scene here is already like complicated as it is. But um, huh. yeah, I mean, like, how how would it work? Because I mean, like, in all seriousness, like, just getting married by faith is a big thing in this country, right? The Muslim courts, in terms of weddings and divorces, uh, are very complex. I have uh, a friend who was Muslim and got a divorce, and I've seen him go through all that. And that's quite a lot. So how this would work and things like that is is interesting but i guess it's more for the it's it's more about the tourism for the non-muslim people and the europeans and people all over the world and again it's that thing of like making dubai a glitzy part of the east world that a vegas would be in the west you know you know i think i think a big part of it is that because <clears throat> you know traditionally people go to vegas for these kind of weddings or when they're there they kind of just take the chance to do it it's for most places and for most people in the world it's quicker to get to dubai and it's cheaper yeah. and now it's definitely seen as a space a place to come and visit and be yeah. on holiday so 
you know, I think it's just kind of another one of those things that Dubai is doing that is not like this big explosive thing, but it's just a subtle little thing to tell people we're not, whereas we're more welcoming, more welcoming than people think we are around the world. So it's again, I think it's just a nice little PR move and I don't know the legality around it. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. I know that you can get your civil wedding license within 24 hours. But beyond that, in terms of kind of faith and religion and stuff, I have no idea about any of that. But what I do know is that it's just going to attract, well, at least it's going to put another little eye on Dubai. And people that might have not considered it in the first place might consider it. Yeah, so let's, look, let's, look, at, yeah. let's look at the use cases right now for like for how people normally have weddings when they when they are here. So we all know of many couples, many couples that have, prior to this law coming around that you can get your civil wedding license in 24 hours, there are people that had to go to the Seychelles and things of that nature. So that became very commonplace. So I guess what that means is that you're now not going to have to like leave Dubai to get this done. And whatever it took to get married in Dubai prior to February the 1st, where you can now get it done in 24 hours, they've made that easier. So whether you look at it as a marginal improvement in process for people that are already intent on getting married here or people that are just looking at kind of like you said Vic doing an impulse thing coming here maybe you know choosing to get married there and then either way it's 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 a step in the right direction for them so I think this would be a really good thing I I, I did I'm on another group chat with another bunch of people and they said that this is really because it's about an express wedding it's not really going to help boost up the events organizers and stuff like that, which are no. more the kind of like planned weddings, no. um, express oh. weddings, express weddings, probably going to help the trade of, uh, you know, selling nappies and baby strollers more so than, than like a uh, big hotel, like five-star hotel resorts, but it's all still to be seen. It'd be interesting to see what case studies are put forward as a result of, um, of this change happening, but net net is going to be a great thing because typically when there's a wedding, there's some sort of trickle down economics to catering or F and B right. or venue booking or gift giving or any any of that kind of stuff. So it's it's yeah, gonna it create really a good whole, check in with people. It's Go gonna ahead. create a whole it's it's gonna create a whole nother industry, uh a whole nother hospitality sort of and service industry in Dubai. Um in the same way that you have those small chapel weddings in, in Las Vegas because of this. You might yeah. have small little houses either like shisha places before that will be in like rack or, you know, um Anjuman or something like that, or in Dubai, you never know. It's, it's some something like that, and they'll make a thing out of it. So, so instead of instead of like all those uh, surgery and aesthetic clinics and stuff that the villas are turned into, they're going to turn into little wedding chapels, <laughs> possibly. Well. You know, you, you know head of wedding chapels. You know what's crazy though? What, we we joke, right? But think about it. Like, look how many people in the real estate industry have started talking about the golden visa as almost like a bundle, almost like a gift with purchase. If you yeah. buy a property for more than 2 million dirhams or you put down more than 2 million dirhams as a deposit on a property that will clearly cost much more. And they're saying that, look, you know, you get the golden visa, like you'd be silly not to. It's such an incredible offering by Dubai. I think you guys might have actually touched on something there, which is that venues might start offering these marriage kind of bundles. It depends on, let's see what it takes, you know, in terms of like, getting the civil wedding license and do you need like a, a a PR or someone to go and help you figure that out? A PR in this country being somebody who's like a, a fixer. But yeah, actually, I think we might even see this getting like sub-commoditized into like other offerings. Not a bad idea. Definitely worth keeping an eye on. And I think 
for people like us as well that are also in nightlife and entertainment events, I think there's only going to be a, an, an upside for it. So, uh, so yeah, so that's looking pretty interesting. All right, moving on. Next story. Have you guys been to Will Smith's Instagram? Who's been to Will Smith's Instagram out of both of you? Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw this. Thoughts? <laughs> Let's tell them the story first and foremost. If you're listening, yeah. Will Smith posted on his Instagram, uh, having gone over to, um, to, uh, to Martin Lawrence's house in the most boomer style, almost parody of doing a kind of casual vlog, uh, that he's now doing bad boys for. So a couple of things to consider from my perspective, at least firstly, bad boys, one, two, and three are great films that in my opinion, even three, I was really, really happy with once it finished. I think I went see it in the cinema. Um, so I have no doubt that four will be good because they managed to get three right, which is very, very unusual to get three films uh, in succession right. Secondly, we're coming out of Will Smith's um, kind of like, you know, Dark Cloud era. I know that the film that he did there where he played a slave, that was probably already booked and produced before uh, the slap happened with Chris Rock. I feel like this Bad Boys 4 deal, whilst I'm sure it was always being talked about, I feel like it might have only been pushed through post- what happened at the uh, Oscars. So just as consumers, first and foremost, Vic, are you excited? Uh, yes. I'm excited as a consumer. I enjoy the Bad Boys movies. I am not expecting much from them, but what I do expect, I get. Just a action movie with two kind of quote-unquote jokers in the movie, and I think they're great. I could watch a Bad Boys movie if it's on on TV at midnight and I can't sleep, I have no issue with that at all. When Bad Boys 4 comes out, I'll be happy to watch it and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I agree with you. I didn't think Bad Boys 3 was amazing com compared to 1 and 2, but it delivered on what it was supposed to deliver and it was a fine watch. I've watched it only once, but it was good enough. In, in terms of my opinion on everything else, I think the way that it was delivered was whack. I feel like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence's energy are very, very out of sync. Really uh, out of sync. Martin Lawrence is way more kind of, I mean, almost reserved. Ironically, you know, considering who he who he is, he's he he comes across very reserved. And Will Smith is way over the top. And yeah, the way he kind of got in the car and knocked the camera on his eye and it's just it was just corny. And it was almost like he was supposed to, like he was scripted to do that. And I thought that was kind of whack. But here's what I would say if two celebrities were in a bar and they got into an altercation and one of them hit the other it would be news but you could kind of go okay it's news and then everyone just kind of glosses over and just moves on he slapped the goat you know one of the goats on the biggest stage in Hollywood in front of everybody and the whole world and everything's just moved on and forgotten about like literally and I'm not dissing Will Smith I'm not you know whatever but it's just weird that that's happened he's basically was he was forgiven the, the moment it happened and that's a weird kind of thing to happen I don't know why if there's anything going on but that to me is still playing on my mind I'm like you know every time we talk about Will Smith I'm like how did it how did he just get away with it, like completely get away with it, where other people who have done lesser things 
get completely cancelled, even just for like saying a joke or whatever. I mean, he exacted violence on his peer, you know, and it's weird that he's gone away with it in culture. I so. feel, but we, we've spoken about this before, right? Like the the the, the timeout is is really small because the news cycle is so fast, so rapid, the waterfall of what's happening in the world that, you know, this happened with Will Smith probably under a year ago now. And you don't have to take that much of a time out, you know, unless you, unless you've hit like R. Kelly levels of, you know, upsetting society, you're pretty much guaranteed a comeback. And if anything, America loves rags to riches and then a rise and fall and then rise again. So I'm actually not shocked at all that he's coming back. For me, it was only, it was always going to be a matter of time. Um, yeah, even yeah. Kanye eventually will come back because it's almost like the yeah. earth, man. It's like, you know, you can go somewhere and you can damage it and you can build a resort and you can pollute the rivers. But if you get everybody the hell out of there, like human beings, that river will clean itself up and that resort will eventually be covered with like trees and monkeys and back to wherever nature's meant to be. So I think there's a, I think there's a, I, th I think it's completely normal. And I think throwing a bad boys in there as well to get people back to, to old him is the equivalent of Kanye putting out songs that remind you of old Kanye, like, Will Smith having his old Will Smith moment as part of his comeback is not really a bad strategy. What do you think, Sal? Yeah, so, sorry, uh, just just before you do say oh. Sal, I just want to say I completely agree, Raj. I just, my, my only thing about it is, is that with Kanye, there was a lot of conversation. There was a lot of back and forth. There was like opposing sides. There was debate. There was all that kind of stuff. But with Will Smith, it just, it was like it didn't happen almost. Like, you know, it's like it feels like it almost didn't happen. Yes, there was some, but... It was very little comparatively. Now, what Kanye did versus what Will Smith did, you know, you can argue it's way, 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 way worse. But, you know, that's the point. But yeah, you know, everyone just needs to kind of take a time and they're going to come back. Sorry, Sal, please go ahead, man. I, I thought he, what he did by, first of all, I'm glad to see that we don't have to wait like eight to 17 years for another bad boy film. They're all great. We can't grow up with them. And it's kind of like the Tom Cruise playbook of like when you've had a public controversy, go back to your franchise that has your fan base. You know, he had the thing where he was jumping on the couch. He had the Mission Impossible films immediately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great to see another Bad Boys film. And, you know, there was talk, like, when, when the thing happened at the Oscars that a Bad Boys film was going to be put on hold and all these projects were going to be put on hold for him. But um, it's it's a weird one because, you know, when, when the incident happened, there was a lot of people that were also trying to say that they were trying to blame Chris Rock as well. Now, I think as time has gone on, they, they see that Will Smith is still at fault for like doing that publicly. So I think there was just a whole bunch of conversation that was happening in the fallout of that incident. That is probably why Will Smith hasn't been sort of de been dealt a harsher punishment. You know, because initially they were going to be like, he's going to be banned from the Oscars for like five years and stuff. And then people brought up the fact that like Roman Polanski's won Oscars. Woody Allen still gets invited, you know, with, with, you know, all the double standard stuff. So when you get into that, it's like a slippery slope and he hasn't done that. So that was one of the things I thought one thing to add to that as well, um, really bad timing from his team to release the video because they dropped that video at the same time Warner Brothers and James Gunn was doing their big DC reboot announcement, like literally the same time, same day. And that got it kind of got overshadowed to like the next day. So mm. I don't know. And he knows he's, he's got a relationship with Warner brothers. And he's done those films. So I don't know why they dropped it exactly at that time. 
I, got I, t- I tell you what. I tell you what. I don't think. I don't think the there's enough of a crossover of audience. No, no, in yeah, your, right, in, yeah. In your sect of people, like the the nerdy people, that will sure. be interested at that level in both to care. So the people yeah. that are like going to care about the DC announcement are going to care about the DC announcement. The ones that are going to care about the Will Smith one are going to care about the Will Smith one. But the ones that care that one got overshadowed by the other, you're a small minority of people because you're one way more. It. Yeah, exactly. Well, you you are. I'm in fact, you are the only one that's mentioned it. Yeah, but I think that's a small that's a small minority of people. But it could have been time better. But you know, it, both stories came onto our radar. So yeah. you know. So so here's here's a big threat is that the news dropped and obviously like once Will Smith announced that he's going to do Bad Boys Four with Martin Lawrence, I actually didn't hear anything about the story. Post him mentioning it on his own Instagram, I didn't see. Breakfast Club talk about it. At least it didn't come up in my YouTube algorithm. Didn't see Hot 97 or any of the major kind of like radio outlets from the culture covering it. And when I was on Twitter and Instagram, no clips, no one cared. So it's very weird to see that, okay, yeah, he can put all these building blocks back together, but will that core fan base defend him? Or is there enough people in that fan base to defend him? And it doesn't seem to be like there is. So... I think what we do need now is more data. We need to go into promo cycle for this movie. We need to see some behind the scenes clips come out. They need to basically follow the identical formula that's now been perfected by Kevin Hart and The Rock ahead of like putting their movie out. And then let's see how it goes. If it's a good movie, it's not a bad thing. It'll be a nice little royal flush moment for the Bad Boys franchise. Um, if it's not, it it will probably probably come across double worse just because of the the setup going into uh, this with with Will Smith. But that being said, Will Smith does look like he's on the mend. Um, I think it's only right that we get back to some sort of normality in the culture, and I hope that everything does get worked out. And also I hope that Chris Rock does en masse drop his thoughts, and I think that would be a big closure moment. I think one of Chris yep. Rock's strategies is not going long form in terms of doing interviews about it or going like putting out uh, to the masses a set where he deep dives deep dives on it because... Before yeah. he gives his sermon on it, it creates confusion in people's minds as to what he really thinks. I'm sure it's a form of punishment to Will Smith because uh, well, until he comes out and actually addresses it head on, it'll always be kind of like hearsay as to what, what's this man thinking? What's he going to do? It's almost like you kind of feel like you know that a guy wants to take revenge on you and you've got no angle, no idea as to what angle he's going to take on it. Can, can I just add something to that as well? I don't know if you've read, yeah. but apparently... Chris Rock has another Netflix special that's dropping, I think, in February, and it's okay. live. It's going to debut yeah. live, and that and he and people have said as he's been on tour with Dave Chappelle, he's mentioned little things because you know they don't record the set, but he's mentioned little things, and there's something that's been building. So he may address it, but like on some like without name, if you know, you know. Type Wait, thing, what, you what, you mean, what do you mean? I, what do you mean live? Like they'll stream it live on Netflix. So I, from my understanding, is similar to what Amazon did with the concerts for Kendrick. It will debut live from the theater whenever it drops, and then it will stay there as a playback. But this is going to be their first time dropping a live thing. That's wow. what I last heard a couple of months ago. So, so you know, you know, like it's 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 happened a few times. So Louis Louis C.K. has just done that, but he does it through his own website he's you know you just pay i think yeah. it's i don't know whatever five dollars ten dollars and you can watch it live and then it stays on for a certain period of time yeah 
and Netflix is doing that with Chris Rock. I think so. This, this is a comedian's right and prerogative and nature to want to have their own platform to talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about. So, you know, going back to your point, Raj, he's done the right thing by not going on Oprah or, you know, when Helen was on, you know, what, whoever, whoever these talk show hosts are, he's just, he's done the right thing. And he's like, I'm, you know, I've got every right just to kind of not say anything until I want to say something. And I think, I I don't know, but I really think, think that he's not going to be on not some naming thing. He's going to, like, what's he got to hide? Everyone knows what he's talking about. So he's uh, just, uh, I think he's just going to say Will Smith and he's going to say the Oscars and he's going to say what it is. There's going to yeah. be no cloak and dagger stuff with it. He's going to just be balls to the wall and just be out there, man. Like, I, he's going to, I think he's going to, eviscerate Will Smith. It's not gonna harm Will Smith's career. It's not gonna harm yeah. his career. But but I think you know, you know, he knows it's like everyone's anticipating it, waiting it, waiting for it. <laughs> and he's gonna make it sonnet. Like you don't expect anything yeah. less. I can't wait for it. So yeah. Anyway. If it, and, and I think there's so much content as well to to unravel from that. Like, you know, who knows? I mean if right now if if Chris Rock did a fifteen minute bit about his journey down to the Oscars that day, that alone would be hilarious. Like he could literally oh. do, he could literally cover, you know, the week before and the week after, and that could just be it or like 48 hours before, 48 hours after. And the way that this man puts kind of perspectives and tells stories and builds scenarios in your head, that alone would be hilarious. So I think um, I think it's going to be great for him. He's holding back on his, his payout. I think he's going to be very strategic with it. He's probably got some of the best people in the world advising him as to how to capitalize on this so uh so good for him and really good i'm looking forward to seeing how this rollout happens okay closing story for today we have uh a follow-on story from one that we spoke about in a previous episode which is that jay-z has recently got into some beef with bacardi because they are also involved in the, his his douce line uh, the recap on that story is that he basically wants to see the numbers. He wants to look kind of like behind the curtain on this business so that it could be valued. Um, he said that where the stock was, how much it was worth, how much, when I say how much the stock was worth, isn't literally the value of the products. It was becoming increasingly difficult to audit. Uh, red flags went off in his head that maybe this brand do say is worth a lot more than the numbers that are being thrown around. Turns out on this journey, that he actually offered to buy Bacardi out for $1.5 billion. And if the company is worth more than that, you can understand why Bacardi would not want to sell it. Because, in fact, here's what might have happened. Bacardi might have offered him $1.5 billion, and he might have said, you know what? It's not worth $1.5 billion. If it is, I'd offer you that. And uh, it turns out now that he's going to stay involved in this brand. So roll back a few weeks ago, he owned half. Bacardi owned half. Now, Bacardi have got a majority share in what he had left. If we scrape that all the way down to the bottom base economics of this, if it's worth three billion and they owned half and half each, that means before the purchase, Jay Z's half was worth one point five billion, Bacardi's worth half was worth one point five billion. If they took even if it was just fifty point zero one percent, then that means oh. they'd have wired they'd have wired Jay Z. 750 
billion, $750 million for this. And knowing Jay-Z and knowing the reputational damage that could be caused to Bacardi and how this deal was probably done in the greatest of ways behind the scenes, I'm feeling like Jay-Z probably came up a good amount of multiple hundreds of millions, if not touching a billion uh, off the back of this deal. And what a weekend for it to happen because in, in the next 12 hours, he's going to be doing the God Dead verse at the Grammys. Uh, Ross will be there. Wayne will be there. Man, Jay stays winning, man. Jay stays paid, as I said in the in the group chat. What do you reckon to the story, Vic? You, you, you know, there's not much more to say apart from what you, you pretty much summed it up in... Like you summed it up perfectly, did so. There's, I think, I think what what it is, it is a majority stake, which would be twenty six percent of Jay Z's fifty percent. So yeah, those numbers stack up. So it's around seven hundred and fifty million. Um, so that'd it is be, that'd be twenty six percent of the overall thing. So more than fifty one percent of what he was holding. Ex right, exactly. So so then they take the majority uh, holding. But what's really interesting, uh, you know, and I can't think of any specific examples, but it just keeps happening. Timing. You know, you said that he's about to do this verse at the Grammys. There is, he, he he times things so well around, you know, events or any kind of thing that he's doing that he doesn't need to do any other kind of promo or publicity for any event that he might be at or the Grammys attendance or anything like that at all. His timing seems to be impeccable. So... This deal, obviously, as we know, has been going on for a long time or quite some time. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's in the news now to be effectively settled just before the Grammys. And I think he's planned it that way. And he, and I think he's been planning everything that he does that way for so long. I mean, you guys know his career way better than me, but uh, but that's my takeaway from it. Like, yeah, he's, he has walked away with 750 million and that's amazing, but the compound effect of all of these little things that it does to his brand and his like allure is phenomenal. And I think it's, it feels like it's all planned. You know? so, he's, he's been telling people, he's, he's been yeah. saying like, yo, that's a CEO's mind. That marketing plan was me. That's one of his most famous yeah, lyrics where he's like, please make sure that you don't get it twisted. I will take credit for the majority of these, uh, these big wins in terms of perception and timing. Sorry, Sal. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, this is now, Evolve beyond like an, any other like celebrity turn on entrepreneur for him to find this thing and to get this much money out of it with the Bacardi deal is is pretty crazy and um, I mean as a as a fan of his all I'm just thinking is like what verse is he gonna put it in because I don't know if he's gonna give us albums anymore I'd, I'd like to think we're gonna get another Jay Z album but uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what verse he puts in because he's very topical right he, he gives you those one or two verses a year that talk about what's been going on with him, um, whether it's like the NFL, whether it's like some deal, you know, some Rock Nation deal. Um, yeah. There's always something like that. So it's going to be interesting to see like what double entendre, triple entendre he puts, uh, puts the story in it, basically. Isn't Sal, isn't Rock Nation about to have a big weekend? Isn't Rihanna performing at the Super Bowl? And when is the Super Bowl? Uh, the Super Bowl is next weekend. Yeah, roll yeah, flush, man. Roll the, flush for Hove. Yeah, and they just had the Rock Nation uh, brunch. You know, they do the Grammy brunch. Um, yeah, Beyonce is going on tour. She's got the world tour. Uh, uh, I think that's under Rock Nation. Yeah, they're they're still doing their thing. You, you know, I'm, I just I just googled just a real quick Google of like 
Jay-Z's like big deals. Just Googled it and Trip Double XL's just got this article of Jay-Z's biggest boss moves of his career. So just at a kind of quick glance, there's the 10-year deal with Live Nation, which was worth around $200 million. There's a deal with Samsung, which was worth $5 million. You know, there's a deal with, uh, oh, he becomes the CEO of Def Jam. Uh, he acquires Tidal. He um, does this deal with uh, Bacardi. He gets all his masters back. He gets $250 million for the On The Run tour, tour, tour. He sells Rockaware for $200 million. I mean, everything that he's done is just a home run. <laughs> it's so crazy that like a guy from the streets who made his career in music is doing so many big wins, like so oh, yeah. many big wins. It's, 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 I don't know many other or any other hip hop artist that is as prolific. Can you think of, I don't no, know. Nobody, no, it's, it's, nobody, right? I mean, we've been saying for a long time, he's the greatest. He's the not most in terms focused. of music. Yeah, not in terms of music. We, we know that, but I'm talking to in terms of like deals. No one's done this level of deal, right? There's people who have done individual home runs, like 50 with vitamin water. I'm talking like about coffee, multiple. But like this, yeah, but putting what I'm saying is putting this all together over this period of time and reinventing yourself and all that. We've not seen anything like this. Forget hip-hop, like just in, just for like an artist or a celebrity that comes from one uh, platform who didn't have a marketing degree or business degree or anything like that. He surrounded himself with smart people, but he himself is a smart person. He didn't like, you know, he didn't put emotion into things. He knows where to go. And like, yeah, at this point you have to say to yourself, like, this is not someone who just, it's not just because he's had like the right business people. He has had that as well, but he's also had the right intuition on these things. Yeah. You know, Hope is, Hope is also big in the, the NFT game, also in the venture world as well. Like Marcy Ventures, we know that many years ago he was, he had some money wrapped up in, I think it was the third round of Uber. So this is yeah. these are just the deals that we know of. So for him to hit those numbers, you know, a billion or maybe even two billion, he had to be he had to be super active. So yeah, nice win for Hove. Great to see. Uh, I think that's us done for news stories. There are a few others, but we will just keep moving on, keep it moving and grooving. Right, let's head into some uh, content recommendations. Vic, what have you got? So I. Uh, I was on, uh, you know, so DJ started from scratch, who's uh, the GOAT, the GOAT DJ. He's Russell Peters' tour DJ, amongst many, many, many other things, um, and also a big kind of influence in, in our DJ careers. Uh, started from scratch, he is on a podcast being interviewed. It's about two and a half hours long. It's called the DDHD Podcast, and it stands for Dreams Don't Have Deadlines. Now, I am only... 25 minutes into it and this is one that i'm actually taking the time out to watch on youtube and as you guys know you know based on my kind of scheduling it's difficult for me to watch podcasts so i'm actually taking the time out. so this one might take me a few days to watch but the first 25 minutes is great it's starting from scratch you don't see him on interviews much he's not a guy that is like on every podcast jumping around talking about everything so the fact that it's two and a half hours you know in the description it talks about he talks about his like beginnings, how he started, um, uh, being friends with Russell, mental health, anxiety, you know, all these things. Um, so I think 
without even watching the whole thing, for me, that's a, an absolute content recommendation. The first 20, 25 minutes has been great so far as well. So that's, that's the one for me, guys. Nice. Okay. Um, perfect. I've got one. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, we want to hear it. It's not a recent one. It actually came out this time last year, but there's, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a documentary about Fat Tuesdays. Are you familiar? Do you know what Fat Tuesdays are? No. Was, that, was that one the nights in? Was that the one in New York? Uh, it was actually in LA. It, so, so basically, okay. it was it was a comedy night at the Comedy Store in the eighties through the nineties, and it's essentially inspired like Death Comedy Jam and In Living Color, and it started with Robin Harris, and then Guy and Joe Torre uh, took o- took it over. It's a really well made documentary because um, I didn't realize how influential Joe and Guy Torre were. And in terms of how many uh, comedians they broke, like into especially African American comedians, but even white comedians like Gary Owen and stuff, uh, look out for it on uh, Amazon Prime. It's a really good documentary, good two-hour documentary. A lot of like, especially if you're like a '90s head, it's uh, really good. Right down your street, Vic. Worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. Say. For sure. Yeah. Nice. Okay, couple on my side. So I. Um was today listening to uh, an old podcast, maybe about a year old or so. In fact, it, I've got my headphones in, so it won't, it won't like leak into the podcast. But this podcast was posted... Uh, oh, actually, no. What am I talking about? It was two weeks old uh, with Kiambo Joshua, also known as Hip Hop. Uh, oh. Royalty, really, in, in the hip hop world. A uh, big part of Def Jam, a huge A&R, wrote a bunch of hooks, was right there in the in the source code of the big records from Freeway, you know, uh, Kanye, Just Blaze, So Much Hope stuff, Song Cry, all that kind of stuff. Really, really good. And, you know, they tell you from the beginning of this podcast, and I think this is really about the chemistry of it, is that hip-hop never used to go out too much to the clubs. And he likes listening to the Road podcast because of the fact that um, he hears DJs talking about records that he made. So I think that's a really, really sweet. And also there's one Asian DJ. I don't know his name, but he's um, he's wearing a Rough Riders t-shirt. He's in the middle with gold headphones. If you watch on YouTube, and he actually is from like those original days right. moving around in the 90s, Harlem and places like that. So really just uh, really a, a really good podcast. Super duper nerdy. Uh, if you're our age, you know, over 35, grew up on uh, Rockefeller Records then there's some really great bits and pieces in there. So that would be one recommendation. Um, Sal, I think you're going to absolutely love that one as well from from a nerdy point yeah, of view. Probably. Yeah, I've been a big fan of his uh, hip-hop. Like He's a and a lot of important Def Jam and Rockefeller albums, and there's some albums that didn't come out that he's put that I'd love to hear about. A bit. Definitely yeah, some nice. also, podcast more. Yeah, for sure. Also, Vic, I managed to see uh, the KSI movie, KSI In Real Life. Sal, have you seen it yet? I'm not, but I've seen it pop up on my Amazon Prime. I'm gonna yeah. check it out. It's it's worth it. Yeah, it's really good. So I I met JJ uh, a few years ago, maybe 2017, 2018. I was introduced to him just as a guy who's in content, who does a lot of stuff around gaming. I had no idea how big or how famous he was, but he was he was you know it was five six years ago, maybe four five years ago, uh, and I actually don't follow his content. I'm not subscribed to his YouTube channel or. I don't listen to his music or anything like that. but So I think that puts me in a pretty unique position because I understand the content world really, really well. And I've also not seen him. So 
to sit in that weird Venn diagram and then just hit play on a well-produced Amazon Prime documentary, which talks about KSI and a lot of things to do with his journey as a creator, especially his uh, current relationships and priorities, whether it be his girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend, his crew buying a property, going into music, being criticized, but more importantly as well, like folding in the immigrant kid journey as well. Uh, I thought there was a lot going on. There was a lot of multiple storylines and things worth investigating. And I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a job well done. Um, it was very nice to see our friends in the credits. So I just want to give a huge shout out to Mams Taylor and Abs Pabari. Uh, Mams is a very old friend of mine. Uh, I think I might have given him his first interview actually back in LA in, in the late 2000s. And uh, he's now the manager of KSI and he's doing his thing. And then Abs Pabari works on his team. And Abs, of course, has been rolling with us since he was 17 years old. So uh, really, really nice. Proud of those two guys. And it was really the first time that I actually got to know this KSI character. And I really, really liked him. I respect his hustle. He seems like a super bright guy. And, I, and also, although they don't go into any kind of detail, the diversification that these YouTubers have when it comes to building products and services around what they do, is it's, it's really delightful to see. So love it. Re very highly recommend it. And finally, Aziz Ansari has a 30-minute special on Netflix. It could be it could be a little bit, you know, a little bit older right now. It looks like it was done kind of like towards the back end of the pandemic, but really, really, really funny. I enjoyed it a lot. 30 minutes, kind of it's as over as it's over as soon as it starts, but there's some really good talking points in there. And he's obviously an eccentric. He's not lost that. He's not lost the voice. He's not lost everything else. So uh if you're into it, if you're into stand-up comedy, and you've got that window of time as opposed to doing a long form on uh, Netflix like a lot of them are. Definitely go check it out. So that's it. Um, shout outs. Uh, Sal, have you got any shout outs? You want to give any shout outs? Uh, shout out to everyone who was at Taste of Dubai over the weekend, which was the big yeah. Dubai food festival. Um, I saw our man Almar that was there and Matar and Chef Reese and um, uh, yeah, actually, really? uh, uh, Sam, our friend from... Uh, yeah from soul and stuff. I actually bumped into him today, chopped it up with him a little bit. So shout out to him. And Simon, yes, and so Simon right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Simon yeah. from Akibadori. Yeah. And also, you know, Sam from Seoul, we went on the boat with. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He was, yes. I bumped into him yeah, as well. As Sam. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was just inside. He was just like looking, checking out. Uh, there was a lot of people there. There was um, obviously Brent Black and Chris Fade were there. They had like setups there. But all the Michelin star restaurants that are in town and like Philia and Matar and Woodfire and Reef, they all had stalls giving away little kind of like buns and little like serving things or like 30 dirhams and stuff. It was a really good weekend. Wow. It was uh, quite just a shout out to a bunch of chefs, everyone helping out and everyone who I saw there today. Nice. Let's do. Let's do a little bit. Let's let's stick with the out and about thing. Then we'll come back to shout-outs. So, yeah, sure. yeah, man. Big up, big up to them. Um, that sounds really interesting. I kind of, kind of sad that I missed it. I also always say as well. You know, our friend Samer from, uh, from Akibadori, uh, mm -hmm. just hit, had a big press headline today that they are actually, they've signed a, a franchise deal for thirty outlets in India. I think he's just about to be out of here. Like thirty outlets in a market like India, with Great. an emerging middle class. Is going to be crazy so massive congratulations to him and his team i remember i went to india i was hanging out in mumbai at a food 
you know how over here we have like the right market. It was the equivalent of like a right market, like a fresh food uh, market where they're doing like, you know, food and crafts and meals and things of that nature. And I remember people were just like bugging out because they were like mashing up avocado and making guacamole. And whole families were buying like bowls of guacamole and like eating it and kind of like you could overhear them like multiple generations of families that move around together as they tend to do over there, like reviewing what they thought of the food. So I was like, wow, the middle class is going to love all this kind of stuff. Plus the internet's presenting it to them online. So I think Samra is about to, about to go crazy out here. So shout out to Akiba Dori heading over to, um, heading over to India. All right, Vic. Well, let's just stick with the out and about vibe. Give, give us yours this week. Where have you been? Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll come on to like what you and I have been doing collectively all week, but just this last weekend or just this weekend, um, on Friday night, I went to Dubai Glow Garden. Now, <clears throat> first time I've been there, uh, there we meet up with a couple of friends that we haven't seen for, you know, very close friends of ours we haven't seen for like maybe two or three months, actually. It's been some time. So they suggested that we go over to Dubai Glow Garden. There's like a D Dubai Dinosaur Park as well. So we just go check it out, walk around and have a bit of food. Yeah, man, listen, I tell you what, Dubai <laughs> Dubai is amazing. There's a massive park in the middle of town with a whole bunch of structures that are lit up for no reason at all. <laughs> and <laughs> it's 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 just a great thing to do. <laughs> like it's really, really impressive. Like it's just massive sculptures of like you know, like just massive sculptures that are lit up. And then adjacent to it is like a dinosaur park and they've got, you know, life size and semi life size models of um dinosaurs and they've got a little kind of display where it talks about who the dinosaur is and what they did and a bunch of them are like animatronic so they're robotic so they'll like move around and their legs will move and then they'll like roar i tell you what's really interesting this is the level of detail that dubai goes into when when you see these dinosaurs <laughs> it's so weird i'm talking about it when you see these dinosaurs and they're roaring you look at their rib cage and their rib cage is like moving as if it's like breathing and stuff. So they've gone into this like real crazy detail. And of course, I went with my son and my wife and, and the friends and he loved it because he's not dinosaurs. He's a kid. But yeah, that's what I did on, on Friday night. It was awesome. And then uh, nice. yesterday I went for lunch at a place called Bukater. Now, Bukater is in the Fisherman's Harbor, kind of in on the Jumeirah side. And it's like... Uh, Jumeirah like too, right? Little... Just just north of uh, just north of Salt. Yeah, I think so. I think I think so. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, just is B U space Q T A I R. Yeah. Anyone that wants to go, I'd recommend it. It's like a little square. There's like four or five restaurants there, and Bukater's like you know you sit outside, you're on the docks, you see all the Dow boats that are docked there, and what they do is that you go in, and you choose your fish, and then you choose your your kind of seasoning, and then they cook it. And then they're on the side, they serve like a curry sauce, rice and a bit of salad. And you literally just eat the fish, rice, and you just pour the curry sauce on top. And I tell you what, it was outstanding. It was, nice. it was What's the really, price point? really. So, so there was five of us in total. There was a massive fish. I couldn't even tell you the, the weight and size of it, but it was huge. It fed all five of us without a problem. We got some portions of rice. We got the curry sauce and a bit of salad. And like five soft drinks, you know, water and soda or whatever, 185 dirhams. Wow. So pretty, 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 pretty reasonable. 
and uh yeah man anyone that wants to go there i'd recommend it all day long so yeah can you go any day it's oh by the way it opens at 12 we got there at one when we got there at one it was probably about 70 percent full so if if you, if you want to go get get there on time because by one thirty two o'clock when i went inside just to like get a bottle of water or whatever there was a massive queue inside just waiting to 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 choose their fish and choose an order so it gets busy there's no reservations nothing you just rock up if you're lucky you'll get a table if you're not you've got to wait so is it seven days a week or is it only on weekends don't know i think so okay probably seven days All i right. have no idea Bukata yeah. B-U space Q-T-A-I-R. Go check it out. Especially if you're into fish, that Jumeirah part of town is uh, is always popular when it comes to that. Obviously, Sal, we got you out and about this week at this Dubai Food Festival, which is dope. Uh-huh. There's really only one big... I'm going to go through my phone whilst we're talking about this, but for us as an agency, there's only really been one big theme this week, which is we've been on a bit of a promo tour talking about the new uh, content strategy assessment that we've got available online so this week i want to give a big shout out to all of the interviews that we managed to get into the can uh, firstly i want to give a shout out to talk 100.3 fm talk sport business with lachlan and neil then i want to give a shout out to danielle and twee from the m2m podcast they were over from toronto canada we did a cool ass interview with them and then into the desert with freddie pullen we recorded that over at f10 they built a studio which was uh, so nice and they created it right there in their uh, in their stock room. It's super cool, amazing interview. And then failing forward with Adnan and Dan. So I want to give a huge shout out to uh, all of those podcast creators. We actually had six interviews this week scheduled. Uh, one of them was we were not able to get uh, a studio in place. Uh, well, that, that creator was not able to get one. So I'm going to hold back on releasing that one or talking about it until he's got it in the can. And another one, we had a technical difficulty. But upon talking to Vic, um, I think what we'll do is once we get these first few cohorts off the ground, we'll do those podcasts as well and maybe a couple of others and talk about what we've learned. But expect in the next one to three weeks, all of those podcasts will come out. And if you head over to youtube.com forward slash Rajkatech, if you're watching this video on YouTube, you're already on that channel. You can check out the Talk 100.3 interview with Lachlan and Neil. That video is titled, Where Are You On Your Content Journey? So I want to give a huge shout out to all of them. Um, I don't know if I've been anywhere else. Let me just check my phone because I generally tend to take a lot of pictures when i do go places nope just me and sal have been doing 5k walks and that's about it <laughs> and then a ton a ton of yeah just yeah basically no nothing i've been exhausted the whole week so very good uh big shout out to those people and a couple of shout outs i want to give a shout out to house of janos uh, our friends who i went <laughs> to their event with sal actually uh, five six weeks ago incredible parties they've done a few since and I've not had a chance to go. I wasn't able to go on Friday because I was trying to protect my voice for the interview that I had, or that Vic and I both had, actually. The Failing Forward podcast was both of us. Uh, so I didn't want to ruin my voice for that Saturday. So I missed the first birthday party, but it looked incredible. And a huge, massive shout to uh, Love Soul alumni, OG, really, uh, Rishi Katecha. He was with me back in Manchester 20-odd years ago. We used to throw parties, famously Soul on Sundays. SH&G, also known as Shag, and so many other things. We did events in Toronto. That's my little brother. We worked on Sync Bar together. Uh, just extremely close to me and extremely proud of him and all that he's achieved. He did his own boiler room party last night in his own venue, so can't beat that with a baseball bat. Well done, dude. And uh, happy 40th to you. Big up, big up, big ups. All right, Vikash, what about you? 
Yeah, no, that's it, man. I wanted just to say happy birthday to Rishi as well, man. He he messaged me uh, a few weeks ago about the party, and I was like, man, I'm so glad I can't make it. He goes, yeah, but I, you know I have to extend the invite out to you guys as well. So, listen, I saw some uh, Instagram stories from him that he's been like posting and reposting from the party, and it definitely looked like a vibe, man. I think he did. I think he did himself justice. He's got Sink Bar in Harrow in Pinna, and it's definitely the best bar in that area. And uh, you know. The, the way he, 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 you know, he, he's, he's the guy in that, in that venue and he makes it kind of what it is from an energy perspective. And a lot of people go there because of him and because of what he's made it. And, uh, yeah, they definitely turned out for him on that night, man. So big up to Rishi, man. Happy, happy 40th birthday. Yeah. Well, amazing. All right. Big ups all the way around. Okay. Wicked. Uh, I feel like there was somebody else as well, whose birthday it was on the Oh, let me see. Let me just type in the word birthday in my WhatsApp and see yeah. who I messaged birthdays to. <laughs> uh, oh, nah, it's that's not it's not working in my favor, to be fair. All right, then. Well, if it was your birthday this week, big, big shout out to you. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, because we are now at the end of it, give us a five star rating and review. Uh, leave us a comment on YouTube if you're checking it out. Sal, thanks so much for stepping in for Alex, uh, who is, who's, who's out and about in Amsterdam. We really appreciate you. Uh, of sure. course, we'll we'll have you on again from time to time. And yeah, cool. if you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a comment, subscribe, five-star rating and review, and we will see you uh, midweek for another update. And next week, actually, next weekend onwards, I'll be doing these podcasts from Amsterdam. So here's my request. If you know somebody in Amsterdam that you think I should be connecting with, either on some content strategy side, business, branding, good folks to network with, good folks to grab coffee with, Drop me a DM right now on Instagram at Rajkatecha. I would love to meet them, especially if you can highly recommend them to me. I'll be in Amsterdam from the 10th of February until the 20th. And I'm looking to connect with as many movers, shakers, hustlers, creatives, all of those good people. If you know who they are, drop me a message below right now. And I will see you uh, with the gang next week on Algo. Peace.